So this morning I want to talk about being intentional. And it was cool because as I was writing this on Thursday, um, my kids all came into my room because uh, Adam was away at the conference. And they were like, Mommy, what are you doing? And I said, I'm writing a message. And they're like, what are you writing on? And I said, being intentional. And they're like, what's that? <laughs> And so it was really cool. I ended up having like a half an hour teaching moment with them. And it was so cool of like, this applies to everybody, you know? And I was, it was, there were tears and there were things. And I, you know, I was talking to my kids about how even at church, you know, they've been here since the beginning and new kids come in and they need to be intentional about making new friends because you're so comfortable with your friends you already have, right? And I ended up crying to them. And I was like, guys, I was that new girl every year at school, and I had no friends. And you guys have the power to make friends with them and be bold, you know? And I was like, don't you think I would have made a good friend, guys? And they were like, yeah, mommy. And I'm like, but nobody made the effort with me, guys. You know, and I just began to talk to them about all of those things and about, you know, even being intentional with our neighbors and all of that. And it was just this amazing experience. And it's been kind of the biggest thing of the year for me of what God has been speaking to me about over and over and over again. And it's now like one of the goals of my life that I will be a really intentional person in kind of every aspect of my life. And I think it goes really well along with what Curtis was saying last week with the evangelism, right? Because we have to intentionally smile at people. We have to intentionally say hi and, and engage with people and talk to our neighbors because it's so easy not to. And so this kind of journey started for me when I was like on Instagram and saw some spiritual quote. And it was say, it said something like, you know, relationships don't just get built by accident. They don't just become good relationships just out of nowhere. It takes skill. It takes building. It takes time, and it takes intentionality. And it was kind of like that for me. It was at that aha moment of like, yeah, it really does. And there's so much, so many times where I didn't put the work in. And I had a lot of friendships in my life that just kind of dissipated. And, you know, part of it was due to moving, right? And so it's just like, I wasn't that person to pen pal back in the day or keep it up, you know? And so I just saw a lot of relationships pass through my life, and I didn't make friends in school, and so it was really tough. And so I kind of didn't know how to keep a relationship strong and long-term. And it, I kind of went into a relationship with one fit and kind of expecting it to eventually end. And, like, this is a good season now, but I'm not going to invest all that I am because the only thing that's constant in my life is my family. And I don't know if some of this is true for you guys, but you know, if you get even hurt once by someone or like, you know, something painful happens in a relationship, it's easy to be like a little bit of a wall up and you start to slowly distance yourself from them, right? You start to slowly be like, okay, that's nice. We're just going to let this friendship Go by the wayside. But what I've realized is as I've, I've had relationships and I've been like, you hurt me, but we're going to mend this. We're going to work towards this. It's not going to change the way that I feel about you or treat you. And I've seen so much breakthrough in that. I'm like, why haven't I done this all along? And don't get me wrong. There are relationships that are abusive, that are bad, that it is okay to distance yourself from. 
But there's so many relationships that could be richer, that could be if we had been intentional and chose to forgive and walk that relationship with them. And I think it's amazing to see how like the depth of my relationships have grown as I've chosen to do that over and over again. And you get that new tool set and you realize this is who Jesus is. You know, how many times did the disciples disappoint him? How many times did they do all these things and disappoint and he just kept keeping basically his love open to them, you know? It's about saying, you know, I'm going to have two feet in in this. And that's something that I've really learned because for so long, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to keep one fit in just in case you hurt me. And um, recently we've been doing marriage counseling with a couple couples and um, it's been really amazing to see how um, just the different connections and how, you know, to build relationship. And we've been doing this course um, by Danny Silk called Defining the Relationship. And the basis of a lot of it is, are you choosing disconnection or are you choosing connection? And a lot of times as we get into our marriages, we've been hurt by our spouses, right? So we just maintain a little healthy dif- distance because we were really hurt. And he was talking about, you know, I will counsel people if their goal is to connect, but I won't counsel people who are like, we just want to maintain this, you know? And so I've been learning, like, do I come at people, you know, with our hearts closed, or are we coming like, I want to do this? And one thing that he talks about is that actually God never gives us permission to turn our love off. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm like thinking about that a bit, and you know, and he's like, no, like, can you imagine you get to heaven one day? And he's like, yeah, they were really rough. You're, it's all good. You didn't have to love them. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's right. You know, there are times where we do have to put up boundaries, but, you know, it's true. We need to keep our love on. Keep saying, I choose you. And another thing that I've really found in my life is it's all too easy to get, just say the blanket statement, I'm too tired. That was like my go-to all the time. And I'm like, and everyone was like, yeah, you have four kids, so right? You know, or you have, you have little kids, so that just, that works for everybody. So they're like, okay, we'll give you your space, you know, or I'm just going to relegate myself to every night just watching Netflix because I just want to turn my brain off. That was a part that I fell into a lot of just like, I just need to do this, right? And recently, um, I had been hurt a while back by some really good friends of mine, and Everything in me, and we were invited for dinner the next night, and everything in me was like, I'm not going. I just want to, like, run away. It was like that fight-or-flight mode, you know, in me, so ingrained from my past. And so I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And so I decided to just email them a really loving, just absolute honest of how I took what they said and did. And then that person wrote back, like, I didn't mean it in that way at all, and this is my heart, and I'm so sorry you took it that way. I've never, you know, basically had a pastor whose heart is so open and she's a responder and not, you know, this. And so I was, you know, explaining it. And it was like, oh, you know, when we actually take the time to have these conversations. And still, I was still feeling hurt. And that night, I was like, I'm going. And I remember walking into their house. 
And right away, that person came up to me, and they just hugged me. And they looked at me in the eyes before they hugged me. And it, their eyes said it all. It was like, I choose you, I'm sorry, and I love you, Amy. And it was just this long hug. And it built a relationship, and it means, you know, it's, we're going to keep being all in. We're going to keep doing this. And it was like, it was actually the first time in my life where I'd been really hurt that I didn't back up. And I said, I'm going to step in. And I'm going to step in with two feet. And I've seen it grow and become so valuable. And I realized this is what I've been missing, right? But I've been hurt so much. And so it's so easy to close our love off when we've been hurt. Mm. Um, one of the things that I think is good homework for being intentional is to look at like the Gospels. And you just look at Jesus' life. And you look at it through the eyes of intentionality. And you see how he constantly was making time for the Father. You know, he was always like, I got to go. I got to go off and be alone. And he was constantly intentional with the way that he did things. And he, he was like, I can't go here now. I'm going here now. Or I can't do this. Or, you know, this is what I'm doing. And I loved that about Jesus. He was, you know, even the boldness to, you know, approach all of his disciples, you know, and just be like, come follow me. Do this, you know. But also he did it so much in love and he was all in. And Jesus was rejected a lot. And I love that still. Even the God of the universe is intentional with us when we run the other way. That's what I love about him so much. And, and I think as you begin to look at it through the eyes of that, you'll see it everywhere. You know, it's like that light bulb goes on and you're like, oh, I see it, I see it, I see it. And another thing that I think is really good to practice is what are the filters that you're looking through? Because I find a lot of the problems that have stemmed in my life from hurts and stuff have been my filters, and it's been me. Why I didn't make friends. Like, I'm like, man, if I could go back to high school now with what I know now, I would have friends. Because a lot of it I've realized is my kids want to make friends, but they're afraid. They have their friends, and so they're not going to step out of their... So these kids might have actually wanted to be my friends, but they were afraid to even approach me. But if I had been like, hey, want to be my friend? Let's hang out. They might have actually hung out with me. But I was like, oh, no. And I was a scared person. And they were like, just didn't go out of their way either. But if I had been confident and even pursued them, I would have had friends. And I realized those things, right? And it's like, even when you have the filter of rejection, right? You see things. You look for rejection. Even when it's not there, but you'll see it. And it's all those filters. And so, you know, it's good to take time with God and be like, what are these negative filters that, I'm, that I have? Like, if it's I'm not enough and you're looking for that. Instead, ask Holy Spirit, how can you show me that I'm loved and valued in everyday life? Show me what that looks like and start pursuing that as a goal and it changes everything. For me, it's like, now that I know I'm loved, I see it. And like I carried rejection all of my life and I saw it everywhere and experienced it all the time. But now when I experience rejection, I'm like, it's okay because I know I'm loved. So that's my prayer for you guys too. And I've realized a lot of my life I've missed out on a lot of things because I wasn't intentional with my relationships or my dreams and things like that to pursue them. And I think too many of us, and this was my problem, is I waited for it to come to me, right? It's like... Um, Curtis was talking about that last weekend, about the mothership mentality. We just wait for this miracle to drop down in our laps sometimes. And it doesn't always happen. And we're like, years have gone by, and where are you, God? And sometimes God's just been speaking to me like, you didn't take any step forward. I had all this for you. 
And so it's, it's been speaking to me, right? We, we sometimes want prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, but we don't take any steps forward. And so that's been really, a, in, even in my own life, it's just like, I don't need to hear it from other people. I need to know who God says I am and step into that, right? Hmm. I saw this post the other day, and it was definitely a bit harsh, but I wanted to read it to you because this was something I was really guilty of. It, it says, if I hear one more person complain that there's no community in my church, I might gag. Friendship is your responsibility, not the church. Put your big boy pants on, embrace the awkwardness, take the risk, and invite someone to dinner or coffee. The deep, deepest and most lasting relationships you ever will have are the ones you initiated and you fought for. Don't wait for the church to figure it out. You are the church. If there's no community, get to pioneering it. I was like, oh, dang. Because for years, I was like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And I never pioneered it. Because I was waiting for someone to come and talk to me. You know? And I just like crying to my kids. I was like, guys, like, you know? And I'm just like, man, if I would have just talked to those people, I would have had friends. And I think, you know, even, even with cell groups, sometimes if we don't know who the leaders of the cell group are, like if they're not the front people, right? Sometimes we don't go out to them because we've, we feel like it's all about sometimes the leaders of the church. But I mean, the leaders of the church pick people to do community with that they trust and are, are amazing. And so I would totally say, like, Go for it. And Andy and Linda from our church are starting a family cell group in their home. And I'm so excited because they do community so well and they're so amazing. But are they up here preaching all the time? No. But do they do community really well? Yes. And so I'm like, make the effort because, you know, one of the ladies in our church started a cell group, you know, like three years ago or something. And all these people were telling me all the time, I need community. And nobody went. So after three weeks, she shut it down. And then about a year later, I said, let's start this together and co-lead it. And all these people came, and then I got pregnant with Brighton, and I had to be out because I was sick every night. And it kept going. And I'm like, yes, like, there's so much value because they see her, and they see her value. And, and, and I just would encourage you to get into community because it's so valuable and so worth it. My sister wrote a blog a while ago on how to make adult friends, and it like blew up and she was so surprised but so many people were like this is what I need to hear this is what I'm longing for and it was so good I just wanted to read it to you because for years I was jealous of this girl like crazy jealous where I was like angry at God because she made friends and all of this but when I was at school of ministry I had this time where I was on the floor laying there and God said to me you know, you were jealous of your, your sister's relationship with your dad, but every time he came home from work, she ran and gave him a hug, and you waited for him to come give you a hug. And I want you to run to me, Amy, and give me a hug. And I was like bawling, and it is, it's intentionality. It's sometimes putting ourselves out there. So I just want to read this blog to you because it's so good. We were having dinner with friends who had just moved in the city next to us. We were really still getting to know each other as couple friends. Imagine being on a fourth date with someone, and you really like them, but you're trying to make a good impression. They were in our house, at, we were in their house at their table eating dinner. Everything was great. We had so much in common, few. So much in common that we used the same glass water bottles at the table. You should know that it, was an it wasn't an individual water bottle situation. This was the water for everyone to pour from situation. So I did some, 
something entirely out of habit, and I grabbed it. I grabbed the bottle, popped off the lid, and started drinking out of it. Mid-drink, I suddenly realized what I was doing, and I suddenly spat the water out everywhere and turned beet red while choking back with laughter and water. And everyone realized what had just happened, and the table erupted into laughter, and the host said to me, the fact that you felt so comfortable with us to do that without thinking makes us feel so special to be your friends. They are, to this day, our weekly hangout friends, and every once in a while, we still giggle about the water bottle incident. Here's to hope, here's some practical guidelines to help cultivate a meeting, meaningful community around yourself. Number one, find people at a similar stage as you. You should have friends of all ages, types, sizes, because that's just healthy and it gives you a different perspective on life. However, when it comes to finding the close friends, find the ones who understand what you're going through. You're single and love cheese. They're single and love cheese. Or you have kids, they have kids. You all crash at someone's house, you have dinner. It's a bit of a gong show. Trying to put the kids to bed is a circus, but it's something you're all going through together. You get it, they get it. Suddenly a Friday night hangout is a little more crazy, but it's a lot more fun. And trust me, you'll find enough differences to keep it interesting. Ever notice how everyone's parents parents their children the same way? Oh, wait. <laughs> also, number two, food. Glorious food. Eating with people builds community. It's as old as time and it works. Food gives you something to do, something to enjoy together. And every Friday we eat with our friends. We ask them to bring something and we share it. For example, if we're making burgers tonight, someone will bring a salad, someone brings a dessert, and we all make the effort and we all feel a part of it. There's something about a home-cooked meal that takes connection to the next level. Inviting someone into your home, apartment, or condo gives them a more intimate part of you, right? If you can't, if you can't cook, all the more reason to learn and ask your friends to join in. So pop open a bottle of wine or sparkling juice if you prefer. Number three, make memories. Be intentional and put yourself out there. Plan to make memories. Better yet, make ones that put you out of your comfort zone. We go camping with all of our friends, including all of our kids. We plan beach days, family sleepovers, all-day outings, and more. Whether the memories turn out just as you imagined or make, take their own shape, you have just made a moment that bonds you together, and these moments become your anchor points. Number four, and I love this, let it be awkward. People are funny and messy and weird, and there are times, especially in the beginning, where there will be awkward moments of silence, but don't rush in to fill the space. When we become comfortable in the silence, we become deeper and more relaxed friends. Number five, vulnerability. Okay, vulnerability does not mean that you cry all the time and become a Debbie Downer. It also doesn't mean that you air all your dirty laundry on the first time you hang out. But as you build trust, your heart should also open up. Trust and vulnerability are what true relationships are built on. As you open up a little more, trust is built. And as trust is built, the more you can open up, the more you'll see what's happening here. I don't want to have a shallow, nice community. I want deep connection. I want friends who lift me up. When I'm low, they pray for me when I need strength. They cry for me when I need to mourn. And they laugh with me when I need to celebrate. And number six, the last one, be inconvenienced. Here's another trust builder. At the true heart of real community is sacrifice. It's self-sacrifice. It's laying down your life for others. It's, is your friend sick? You go out of your way and you make them a meal. Your friend's babysitter fell through, you take their kids for the night. 
You see, as you allow yourself to be inconvenienced for others, the bonds of friendship grow. You have each other's backs and you are actually practically there for each other. You might not have family nearby to help you, but you can build your own family. May you find friendships that will last a lifetime and may the friendships you have grow deeper. May you find that you are not alone in this walk called life. Isn't that good? Just practical things, but they really make a difference. And I I wrote down some things that I, I really felt like we need to be intentional about. And one of them is letting go of our past. That's a big one that we just keep holding on to. If we say, I'm a new person today because I'm finally believing that I have the mind of Christ and that I am in Christ and I'm gonna live that way, it will change everything. Number two, we need to be intentional about forgiveness. We need to be intentional to let others go. We need to be intentional about our identity and speaking life and love over ourselves. We need to be intentional about busyness. Are we truly making things for the right, making time for the right things in our life, right? We need to rid ourselves of um, the fear of failure and rejection and just go for it. And the sixth thing is we need to invest in intimate relationships with people and especially with God. And I want to look at a few scriptures that encourage us in these things. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtain this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain on towards what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, would you forgive so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. And Hebrews 10.24-25 says, Let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, that we would not give up meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but that we would encourage one another, and all the more we would as we see the day approaching because we need each other. And as the day approaches, things get tougher. The world is a hard place. We need each other, right? A while back, um, Adam had our leaders do this exercise where we had to write down the things that bring us life. And I was like, oh no, not again. (laughs) How many times have you made to do that? And I was like, not again. And then he went on, so I'm writing down, you know, I love, I love to be at the beach, and, you know, I, I'd love to go to a fall fair, and, you know, all of these things I'm just writing, and I kind of wrote it as, like, kind of like, I don't believe it, like, when am I ever going to have the time for these things, right? And then Adam goes, okay, now I want you to take your list, go to Holy Spirit with it, with it, and ask him what the obstacles are in the way of this. And I was like, okay. So I went and I had time with God and God was speaking to me about intentionality and he's like, you don't ask for it. You don't make time for it. You don't go after it. And there's also fear holding you back, you know, financial, it's hard to find a babysitter, all of these things. And, you know, for a few days I was feeling quite down about it. I'm just like, oh, those stupid dreams. (laughs) They keep coming back and I feel like I'm not doing any of them. And then Adam just went on the calendar and he's like, we are doing this one thing on your list. 
and he made a date for it and we made time for it and we did it. And I was like, oh. And then like my friend was like, let's do something for your birthday. And I was like, okay. And we planned a little birthday outing and like we ended up for um, a friend's thing. We created our own dance crew and we watched YouTube videos on how to do the dance and we made our own dance and we did it at, performed it at a birthday party. And I was like, this is the best thing ever because I'm not the best dancer, but it was so much fun. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually see some of these things actually coming to life now. And as I've been moving towards that, I've been a lot more intentional in like going after things and even just like calling up people. I'm like, let's hang out, right? And, and do this when I'm just in life. And it's been so much better. And so then I was like, you know, I've had this dream since I was 20 years old to run an art center and it's been prophesied and all of this. And there's been so many times where I'm like, okay, and then it's too big, God, and then I lay it down. And then God's like, pick it back up, Amy. And then I lay it down again. And then I got pregnant with Brighton. And I'm just like, I am nursing my baby all the time. Like, this is just not going to happen. And I really felt like the Lord said recently, okay, you know, he's a year old now. Are you ready to move towards this dream? And so I was like, okay, what do I do? And I get paralyzed by big dreams sometimes because you're like, what's the first step, right? You're like, I'm not sure. So I decided to call or uh, message my theater friend who I used to do theater with when I was a teenager, so a long time ago. And I said, you know, can you send me all your plays? And so she wrote me and she's like, they're all in my head. (laughs) But she's like, why don't you call me and I will walk you through them all. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to create a team and we are going to all be in on that phone call so that I don't have to remember it all by myself and we're going to create it and make it our own. But I'm going to move towards this and I feel hopeful and joy. And I just realized for years, since I was 20, you know, I'm 35 now, so 15 years since I've had that full-on open vision. But it just was always too big. And so it's just like taking the little steps forward. Hmm. I think it's so amazing when God gives us solutions. And sometimes we just don't even ask for them, right? (sighs) Another thing that God has really told me to go after, and I think, you know, a lot of us can be there sometimes, is like, but I don't have the money for it, right? So we we just throw it away. And that's one thing that God's been going after in me a lot. Like, just because you feel like you don't have the money, at least ask like move towards it. If it gets shut down, at least you tried, right? Like school of ministry, we got in, Adam and I, and then none of the money came through. So I laid it completely down, but then all these people started prophesying over us. September is your time. You're supposed to go. And so we reapplied, heard nothing, because I said, they said, what's happened since you last reapplied? I'm like, well, I had a baby. And at that time, they didn't have babies at the school of ministry. And so it ended up Melissa and John got married and the school of ministry leaders were at their wedding and Azzy was the cutest flower girl ever. She had like 12 and she was like Brighton's age with like this flower on her head like this. I'm like, they saw her and we got in the next day. I was like, they saw her and they're like, we're bringing her to school of ministry. <laughs> I literally think that's happened. I like teased them about it. But, and it's cool now, like people go to school of ministry now with kids and like three kids and four kids and it's, it's really amazing. But, uh, So we reapplied, we got in, and then all the money came in, you know? And even my grandmother was like, don't do this. You don't want Adam to quit your job, lose your house, everything. This is not a financially smart decision. But I knew it was right, and we did it, and it changed my life. 
So sometimes it is doing those crazy things. <laughs> you know, and it's good to get practical about just setting dates to hang out with friends, going to the movies, going thrifting for me. I love that. Doing fun things, learning a new dance, all those things. And you feel hope grow when you just start to see at least one thing checked off on your list, right? Just like, oh, this feels a lot better. And now it's starting to create hopes in me for bigger things like maybe I should go to Cuba with Azzy, but I've never felt like I financially I should do it. So I've never even thought about it. But there's a part of me that's like, saw Azzy raise all that money. And I'm like, maybe I should go to Cuba too. I haven't been on a mission trip in 10 years, you know? So there are those things where you start to dream and you start to feel these things, right? But fear holds us back from so much when we don't even realize it, right? But that's what I love. When you come to the God of love, he always has solutions for us. But he wants you to take that step. He wants you to walk towards it. Because, you know, you read it all the time, but you start to realize that he truly wants us to live an abundant life. And that's not always like, oh, we're going to have the biggest mansion and all that, but it's this life that's full, that brings us life, that it's abundant life because we are living life in a good way and we're feeling, we're living what we, what we feel and dream about with God. And a huge part of that is being, you know, intentional. And another thing that I've realized is that it's not bad to want. And that was a really hard one for me. You know, because there is materialism and the want of money is a bad thing. Like, when it becomes higher than God, right? And so I was always afraid to want anything. And I was like one of those people, if I got a new shirt, I would like tuck it in my drawer and not wear it and all of that. And I would like save my chocolate that I got and then my sister would find my chocolate stash and eat it. <laughs> but I forgive you. And, and so, yeah. And, and so I was very that, very like the lack mentality, right? It's the lack mentality, and I've been learning the more abundance mentality that my daddy has enough for me, right? Hmm. I remember, like, even a story of this, you know, if, if you're at Christmas and your kids, when you say, what do you want for Christmas? And they said, nothing, because they were too afraid to want. Wouldn't that break your heart as a parent, right? And so it's just like, it was making me realize, like, God wants me to feel those wants, and some of those he put inside of me, right? And so it's just being like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And this is a cool practical thing. So I have been looking for a winter jacket and, um, for like two years and like in my price range and all of this. And I keep on sports check, you know, checking all their deals and all of this. I'm like, oh, it's a little out of my price range. I don't know. And we went thrifting one day and we went to six thrift stores or something, like five, and didn't find any, and they were like nice consignment ones and everything, and I was like, oh, I've been looking for like two years, God, and I, I just want a really good winter jacket, and it had to have four things. I'm like, it has to be long black. I want it to have a good hood with fur and a good waist <laughs> and long, and so I was, I was writing this message, so I went on Saturday, no, Friday, Friday to get stuff for me's baby shower games, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to check Valley Village real quick just to see if they have a jacket. And there were three black jackets like that, and two of them fit me really well. So I bought both. So I was like, Azzy can have one, and I can have one. And then the other one fit her really well. And I was just like, I, and I said before I went into Valley Village, like, you want me to want. It's okay to want. Can you find me a winter jacket, Jesus? And like I went in, and there it was. And it, that doesn't always happen. But it was just a really special moment of like, here's two years, and finally I just asked Jesus to find me one. 
and it's $17.99. Anyway, <laughs> price range, anyway. Uh. Yeah. So it's, it's starting to look at those things that even feel daunting and saying, Holy Spirit, can you help me to find the courage to take the first step or get people around you who will push you to take the first step or tell it to someone and be like, make me take the first step. Right? I'm like, Maya, you're going to help me make this happen because you're an organizer. <laughs> Instead of sitting there feeling paralyzed, because that was me for a very long time. I'm just like, I'm going to lay it down again because it's just too much to handle because I want it so bad and it makes me feel pain because it's not happening and I don't know how to make it happen, so I'm just going to put it back down again. So I want to give some practical tips on being intentional. And one of them that we've already talked about was smile at people, talk to people, approach someone you want to know and invite them out for coffee. Number four, make a plan. Number five, ask for help. <laughs> That's a big one. Number six is take one step towards it. Number seven, ask Holy Spirit. Number eight, pray. And number nine, think Nike, which is? Yes. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Mm. All right, get the music going, my minstrel. Uh. God, I just thank you so much for each and every person here. God, I just pray that you would be so present right now and, and I thank you that you are so present right now and I, God I just pray that you would give us solutions I just pray that you would come and give us solutions God I pray more than anything that you would help us step out of those fears that paralyze us when we look at the things that we want sometimes and we feel like it's too much or it's impossible. Or I'm just, I'm really afraid it's not going to happen, so I don't want to dream at all. So God, I just pray that you would come and minister to us right now. God, I pray that we would write those things on our calendar, that we'd make even one. I want to do this. This is the date I'm going to do it. God, I thank you, God, that you were so intentional with us. And God, I pray that you would help us to take the time to be intentional with you. We would take the time to say, Jesus, you are the one that I am the most intentional about. I will make time for you. I will make the time to talk to you. I will make the time to listen to you. Because Jesus did all of it out of going to the Father. He always made the time to have time for the Father because all of it comes out of that. Because the more that you spend time with Him, the more that He can speak, He can move, He can put that hope there. He can put the dreams there. And I had to lay down a lot of my dreams for, for a time because my dreams were bigger than him in a sense. They were like 
the arts are my everything, but then I began to realize that he's my everything and the arts are just a means to draw people to him. So then everything changed. So Jesus, I just pray that today that you would increase every single person's hunger for you. Because it's so easy to just let things slide by with our busyness and with our lives. It's so easy to not make friends and to just say I'm tired. So God, I pray that you would give us the strength to step out. But also know when to say no. Because that's something I'm working on. Oh my gosh, I've so overextended myself that I'm having anxiety, right? So sometimes it is being intentional to say no. So God, I just pray that you would just speak clearly to each and every one of us because you you're so he so wants to be intimate with every single one of you. And he wants you to want. He wants you to feel. He wants you to experience life in abundance. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would allay our fears with your love. Would you just come and manifest on our dreams and our hopes and our desires? You are the resurrecting God. And God, I just pray that we would go after the people in our lives that we would know would spur us on. That we would really make time for community. Because honestly, guys, it changes everything. It changes everything. So God, I just thank you so much today for every single person here. God, and I just thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. God, and I just pray that today that you would raise up dreams, you would raise up dead things, God, and you would bring them to life. I was encouraged by Diane when I met with her a few weeks ago, and she said, I had a dream for Thailand a long time ago, but God told me to never lay it down, and here I am going to Thailand now, you know, when she's older, and I'm like, that's so amazing, and encourage me. We don't know the whens and the hows and the ifs, but God doesn't want us to just not dream at all. So God, I just thank you so much that you are the God of creation and you want to create things with us.